Hey everybody and welcome back to another Next Level People. We've got Rena, we've got Mike Cassavant. Did I say it right, Mike? Cassavant, but it's okay. Cassavant. He, well, I mean, you're a savant. So <laughs> yes. it's like a cross between Casanova and a savant. Exactly. There you go. And a caravan somehow. In and a caravan, but whatever. Uh, Sean right now is at the Grace Hopper convention in houston we tried to get him on but uh the connection was just a little bit choppy from his hotel room but he's super bummed because he knows mike is legit uh (laughs) and so today we're gonna dive into who is mike a little bit of his background but something that mike and i talked about gosh like i think a year ago is when we first connected and we had a we just like dove into the conversation of what what in the world is balance actually mean and at the end of it we're like god why didn't we hit record this is like (laughs) so good good. uh and so now a year later (laughs) we had to have rena that was that was the missing piece uh we're gonna hit record and we're gonna we're gonna dive into it um but mike super stoked to have you on the show yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's definitely, I feel like it's, it's crazy because like, yeah, I feel like this is coming into next month will be a year on LinkedIn for me, like officially. Okay. And it's so okay. weird to see like all the growth and all our friends and everything. it's just, it's wild, dude. Yeah. It's, it's insane. So I'm psyched to be here. <laughs> awesome. So Mike, uh, just as a quick uh, 32nd thing, I mean, he he has toured with a band, two bands, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Acacia Strain, and what was the other one? Uh, Burn and Silence. Burn and Silence. That was Silence. my first real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then um, he's he's been deep into the fitness industry and personal training and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and now he's on to some some new and, and different and hopefully better things. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, Way better. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, uh, Mike, because I mean. For those of you that don't know Acacia Strain or Burn in Silence, they're like they're metal bands. Like No, it's more like pop, sort of maroon five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Marvin Gaye meets Slayer. <laughs> and the, you know what the funny thing is though? So yeah, those bands, if you hear them, you'll be like, oh my god, this is insane. Like it's it's they're really heavy, especially Acacia Strain. But um Everyone in the band collectively would never really want to listen to metal or hardcore or anything on the road because, right. you, like, you're on tour with five bands that are, are basically in the same genre. And so I'd always be listening to, like, Lady Gaga and, like, Phil Collins. <laughs> no, like, seriously. And, like, I, I mean, I just have appreciation for music in general. And so, uh, I, I, you know, talent is talent. That's how I always say. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. No, it's funny because, like, uh, People are in, in metal bands, like thinking of like Slayer or, sure. or fill in the blank. Like you always think like, dude, I never want to actually meet those guys because they might actually like kill me and eat my oh, flesh totally. kind of thing. But like <laughs> they're like, I can't speak for everybody, but in general, they're like the nicest people like ever. Like I would rather hang out with people in a metal band than most other people just because like they're just so real like they're like yeah, yeah. like hey what's up dude like how's it going uh like <laughs> i used to i used to work uh at a place and um what's his name uh carrie king used to come in and 
like just hang out and look because it was he was in he has a, a big old reptile collection uh, and yeah. I used to work with reptiles um, and one of the guys uh, he he gave his daughter a signed guitar just like wow no big deal and I was like are you serious that's yeah. rad like just <laughs> good he's just such a good dude yeah uh, yeah sweetheart that's like <laughs> that's not, it's so funny because like he is but no, like looking at him like that's not well, the adjective it, that you would probably think of for sure. <laughs> and i think people forget that because it's like they see one side of of like for example like marilyn manson for i mean he, he's that's a really you good see him guy. he looks like a total weirdo i mean he is and then you like you read his lyrics and you read it like his poetry and you see his art and you're like oh my god this guy's he's he's phenomenal and then you actually talk to him intellectually and you're like this dude knows this guy is like beyond smart like it's crazy and so it's almost and it's just it's like that little creative release that people sort of hold almost like pigeonholed you as like well i i see you on stage and you, you know you punch yourself in the face but then afterwards, you're like, you're like eating milk and cookies. Like, where is what? I don't understand that. And so I think what happens is pe- people seem to almost want to like not. I don't know. People seem to almost not want to associate them as like they go to the grocery store to buy groceries, but they do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, but so I mean, Mike, I something that I've been wanting somebody to do for a long yeah. time. And I, I texted you about it beforehand. I need you to scream. This is the next level people show. So like next level people show or something like that. I, I need you to like uh, go for that's it. Amazing. This is the next level people show. Yes, I love it. I love it. I've been at waiting eight in for the that. morning. At eight in the morning. Yeah. Good morning, America. I love uh, metal singers do it. <laughs> I don't either. Like I've actually, the funny thing is, like I've tried so hard to do to sound like my, one of my buddies had a screamo band for a while. I was like, yeah. I just, I, and he talks afterwards, and you're like, how do you even talk? Like, how are you like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's wild. But so let's let's dive into this. So you you are touring with. Acacia Strain, uh, for how long? How old were you? So let's see. So I st- with Burn Silence, I got signed when I was 21. Yeah. Uh, um, and then we put out a record uh, 2000, July of 2006. So I was t- uh, about 20, 22 at the time and started touring about 22. And um, it was, uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy, man. Like that was such an interesting time in my life because. Up to that point, you know, we were a local band from Massachusetts, and the Massachusetts metal scene and hardcore scene was really thriving. It was really starting yeah, to pick up, yeah. and especially in the Western Mass scene. A lot of these bands that are like friends of mine that I've known forever, um, all just started getting picked up by huge labels, and and just they were. It became like the Western Mass like metal scene. That was, that was like new wave of uh, heavy metal, if you will. And so um, we kind of were in the mix of these of these bands, and it was so awesome, kind of growing up in that scene. And then when we got signed, you know, a lot of people in locally that we used to play with were like, they they almost didn't understand why we got signed because we didn't play locally a lot. We actually, I I, I made it very. I wanted to make sure that like we earned our fans, and so I was like, I don't want to put for my drunk friends every weekend. I want to get the hell out of here and actually go to Albany. I want to go to you know New Hampshire, Maine, everywhere else, but but Massachusetts. But when we came home to play, it was like a huge deal because there was a lot of buzz about the band. So I, so I almost like 
saw the scarcity effect. I was like, oh, maybe if we if we don't do it all the time, they're gonna want us more. If we do it too much, they're not. And I was like, oh, let's do that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and we hit the road at 22, man, and it was like. I had no idea what the hell. I, I didn't. I, I mean, I read this book, uh, "Get in the Van" by Henry Rollins, which kind of prepared me for everything horrible. Yeah. But then you get yeah. on the road and you're like, "This is the worst. This is what the hell's going on, man? This is nuts." <laughs> and it's like it is. It's like, especially when you're starting out in a metal band, especially like I mean, we were making no money. I mean, <laughs> we had six people in our in our in a van. Uh, we actually figured out that if we slept in the parking lot. Of, 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 a, of a hotel that had continental breakfast the next morning when the shift changes we'd walk right in and just eat for free and leave <laughs> yeah so oh, we got awesome. really creative on the road the funny thing is i literally so i had a meeting in the like uh i don't know hotel area there's like a coffee shop there uh yesterday and i was yep. watching the people up on the like area where the continental breakfast was and i was like i literally could just walk up there right now and nobody would know yeah Dude, I didn't, a, yeah. just for the record, <laughs> yeah. but I thought about it. Yeah, that was like a saving. One of the bands we toured with told us about that. They were like, yeah, man, we just park in the, and we park inside of the parking lot because it's safe too, right? And for the most part. And um, yeah, we were just kind of like, let's go do that. <laughs> so like we try to find, we like reroute our, our, uh, our, our, um, our route just to make sure that like we could, we could crash or pull into yeah. a uh, continental breakfast. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're doing that for, for how long? How long are you doing that? So pretty much from 22 until I was about 27. Okay. Wow. That's a big yeah. chunk of time. Yeah, that was I mean, a long time. And, one um, year of touring is insane. Five. One month of touring yeah. it's it's crazy man because and you know that's the thing too that people don't seem to realize is that when you come to like atlanta or you go to back to boston wherever you're on tour <clears throat> you're all these people come out that you know in those cities and they act like it's the and like so for them it's like a huge deal which it obviously is for everyone but it's like let's get let's get let's party let's go let's go crazy it's like dude this is this is like night 27 for me right now like i'm i'm wrecked like yeah i'm already yeah. you know what i mean and um so it you, that's why I think you fall into this trap of, of substance abuse real quick because really there's nothing to do on, on tour. It's it's so boring. The travel is what kills most bands, especially when you're in a bus. When you're in a bus, it's like, all right, someone else is driving. You don't have to worry about driving. You don't have to do anything. You just kind of wake up and you're like, hey, we should just party. Let's let's, let's get wasted right now because you have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And but, but back then, man, it was like so weird because – there's no feeling of a Monday. There's no feeling of a Friday or a Saturday. It's just one weekend all for seven days. Mm-hmm. And my mom would call me like, hey, where are you today? And I had to look at my tour pass because I would never know. I would legitimately never know where I was because we were just constantly going. And you, you don't really – yeah, you don't really have a grasp on reality anymore. And so when we would come home from tour, I mean, we'd, we'd be out for anywhere from like two and a half to four months straight. And like from tour to tour to tour. Uh, sometimes, you know, Europe and then back, uh, whatever, but it was just, um, it was wild being home for like four or five days and trying to get some form of, I don't know, just like, it's <laughs> just like normalcy mm-hmm. because then you're like, you're home, you're psyched. But then after two or three days, you're like antsy. Yeah. Like, oh man, I really want to get back on tour. Like, what am I doing? I want to get out of here. So yeah, it was a really weird duality, man. It was definitely interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that is that life is 
tough. Like I've had a few friends that not, I don't think to the, ex- no, for sure. Not to the extent uh, that you did, but they're gone for, they're on tour for like a year. And I think it was like, like you said, like four months off or four months on, and then they're home for like a little bit and then they're back like for yeah. another four or five months. And yeah. that's just like, it's a grind, man. Yeah. And then, so uh, while you're on tour, you started reading books, you started about fitness, about, uh, like all that stuff. Talk to me about that transition. Yeah, man. Even before I started touring, you know, I was an athlete and that was a big thing for me too growing up. But I just, uh, I was always fascinated by physical strength training. That was always something I, I always enjoyed. And so on tour, I'd always have all my friends working out with me. And that was always a thing. Like we just like, go, like either find a gym to sneak into if we couldn't, yeah. if we couldn't pay for it. A hotel or, gym uh, after the continental breakfast. These crazy guys, like metal bands working out. Um, yeah, man. And so like I, I started bringing like kettlebells and like sandbags on, in, in our trailer with us. And I just do these like DIY, like brutal workouts every day. And it was awesome. And then, you know, then I, it kind of work gets around really quick. So on tour, we'd have all these all these bands we tour with. Like, hey man, I heard you, I heard you're a really good trainer. And I'm like, oh okay, yeah, I just work out every day. But yeah, if you can work out with me, cool, let's do it. Yeah. So I started like wanting to learn more about the body and and, and you know, exercise science and exercise physiology. So I like, I, I wish I had the pictures to show you, but there's like these like stacks of books in our van and in my little like bunk. And I would just have like all my, my notebooks and I'd just be like the 18 hour drives. I would just have a light and I'd just be going through everything and reading nonstop. And um, it's it's like anything, man. I think it's like, like almost just like with business with me. I, once you start, it's like a rabbit hole. You're like, oh, well, who, let me find out about these other guys and Steve Maxwell and all these different people. Like you start like you start learning about this whole culture and world that it was just a, a stone's throw away that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I just got so immersed in it. And then when I, when I joined the case strain, <clears throat> I was with them for just under two years. And, um, it was, uh, it was great because that was sort of like my, my transitional point. And I, and I knew, I knew the band was great. I knew we were doing some killer, huge tours and, and everything was like on paper really good. But I, I knew I was like I kind of was getting to that point where I was like I was ready for a change, and um, we played our last gig uh, July of 2010 at Leeds University in England, and it was like I always talk about it as like my Costanza moment from Seinfeld, where I just went on a note, you know, and like we had a headlining gig at this at this festival called um, Ghost Fest. and it was like I don't know, two or three thousand kids. It was insane. It was such a good show. And we got off stage, and I and I just remember like, and actually, I, uh, Quentin and I did a video about this. But I walked out, I saw this van, and these old, like older dudes, like mid forties, still trying to make it, like eating raviolis out of a can. And I was like, "That's it, I can't do this anymore." <laughs> I just like it, like sunk right into my head, like I have to go, like do this. But coincidentally, that same morning, I got an email from this guy named Murph that's become a really good friend of mine over the years. But he asked me to, well, I I got picked to be a part of his internship program in Boston. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is a huge opportunity. And he gave it to me over guys that had their exercise physiology degrees. And he was like, nah, man, like you're, you're super smart. And like, I think you've got a great way with people and half the guys that are coming, coming in here with degrees, like they don't understand people, but you do. Mm -hmm. And so like, that was a huge thing for me. And I was like, wow, he wants to like take a chance on me. So I just told the guys right after that gig, we were flying home. Like I'm I'm good. I have to get out of here. Like, I'm going to go do this other thing. And they were kind of like, they sort of could see it a little bit. And then 
once I left that, I interned at this place called Total Performance Sports, which is still located in Boston. And mm-hmm. um, that was probably some of the it was like taking everything I was learning in, 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 in my books, you know, and then seeing the application in person and just watching Murph and like having me shadow him constantly. And he put me on the spot and he'd go, what's wrong with this person? I'm like, oh, those shoulders impinged. Why? And I started going through this whole thing. And so I started to see like the body so, so much differently. And I then from the strength training portion and conditioning, I got really into um, just, just the flexibility and mobilization and understanding myofascial releases and, and, mm-hmm. and where the body's impinged and all those type of things. And so then I got super into that world. So, um, but yeah, it was kind of one of those things where that became a massive part of my life. And I started my own fitness business after that. And it was, uh, did that for about six years or so. Yeah. And so the, the fitness thing that you're talking about, the business that you started, that was the Iron Forge or something like that, right? Uh, yeah. Iron Forge Athletics. And I had that for about six years and then uh, built an online business right around year three uh, for coaching, remote uh, remote coaching for CrossFit athletes, which mm-hmm. that actually ended up taking over almost all my revenue streams in the, in the gym. And it was so fun for me to sort of see that like, I could build a business on my laptop and my phone and not have to be in the gym. Uh, and the overhead was really minimal <laughs> compared to having owning a gym. So that was uh, that was a bunch of that was a really cool move for me. So yeah, that was something I was really happy with. That's awesome. That's awesome. So kind of transitioning into the the <laughs> topic. I mean, anybody that's listening, like automatically probably knows touring with a band, two different bands uh, over the course of five ish years. Uh, yep. and then getting into the personal training and everything like that. And then owning your own fitness. I mean, maybe they don't know, but owning a fitness or personal training, anything yep. is just an insane amount of time. You're, you're uh, it's nonstop. Just, it's incredible how much time goes into that. I've got a ton of friends that are in, uh, the CrossFit side yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, it's wild. It's, it's yeah. nuts. And so, uh, when we first talked like a year ago, I mean, the, the whole topic was because I, I was I was not in the fitness side of things, but on recruiting and in a lot of play, like sales, like fill in the blank with a lot of different types of jobs, uh, you are expected to grind real hard as far as you can until the breaking point, And then you're expected to grind some more because that's just what you do. That's just what's expected. That's standard. Uh, and I was I was coming to a breaking point um at that time like i was i was coming to a point where i i I couldn't do it anymore it wasn't just it was a mental thing but it was Mm -hmm. also like i started seeing things physically i started seeing things relationally where i was like yeah i'm starting to think uh, i think i need to like figure this thing out but like every everybody that i loved and uh not loved every all the like uh influencers or mentors from afar like like the gary v's the grant cardone yeah. the like all all those types of people you watch them uh and they're just they grind non-stop and the grind is their idol and like you have to grind uh and there's some truth to it if you want to build a business but i i mean i i love the uh, side of Gary V that says like it, no, like I get eight, 
nine hours of sleep or whatever, or six hours of sleep, uh, every single day I spend time with my family and like, this is, this is my balance. Uh, and so like the thing that bothers me about work-life balance for such a long time is like, it seems like such a BS, like you, you have to like go to work for only eight hours and then you have to do this thing. And like, uh, it, it just didn't seem like it fit. Uh, and so the idea of balance has shifted for me, but uh, I'm curious, like what, how did you, how did you transition from, from that life? What is balance to you? Yeah. So the transition from, from music to fitness is really challenging because you gotta understand, like I was used to not having a set schedule. It was literally just like, I mean, outside of playing a gig for 45 minutes, you're just, you have no responsibilities other than that. Really? You, you don't. And so, but I was very responsible. I did everything for the band, all that stuff. But coming back to that, when I transitioned into fitness, it was like, I felt almost like I left my dream behind mm. to do something else in a lot of ways. But then on the same token, that dream was creating a lot of, a lot of nightmares for me too. And, and I was happy to, you know, put a period at the end of it. But, um, the transition to fitness was hard the first probably six months because it was like, you're like shell shocked. It's like coming back from war probably, you know, yeah. um, and, and not, and not in that regard, but just, you're trying to adjust to no, like a normal life and a much more structured life. Yeah. And so yeah. that was a little, that was definitely a little challenging. But when I started my business, man, like I, again, I read so much constantly and I was always just influenced by business uh, people and, you know, the Gary V's and, and all those guys. And so when you go into it, you think, yeah, hustle and grind. I just have to work 20 hours a day and I'm going to get to where I need to be. And but I guess the reality though is <clears throat> Gary has a very specific goal in mind. So his his life that he's created requires him to work the amount that he does. Mm-hmm. And so I think as young entrepreneurs are coming into the game and they're seeing these guys like him and and, and uh, Grant Cardone and and whomever highlighting the grind and the in the hustle, I have to sort of reflect back on that and go, well, what are you hustling to? And and what are you, and what are you and how are you grinding? And it's because a lot of people, I think, waste too much downtime. That's just reality. And they spend it in the worst places or they're constantly like thinking that they're doing something appropriately correct and they're not. And so I think that's really where I look at that and go, try to find a mentor or someone that can guide you or the right people that can guide you that don't aren't going to fill you up with, you know, hustle and grind because to me, hustling and grinding, it's, 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 it's in your DNA, right? You're either going to, you're either going to go for it or you're not period. I just watched this documentary last night on Quincy Jones. It's amazing. Like that guy, I didn't realize how, how incredible he actually was. And just in his work ethic was just ungodly, like insane. But I look at, you know, for me having work-life balance or anything like that, I think it's, I always like to talk about earning my downtime. So I like to make sure that like I put in as much as I want to relax. So that's kind of part of my part of my strategy. And that's been working really well for the last several years. Because prior to that, I like you, Greg, like I got to this point where it was seven days constantly a week, which I still kind of I mean I still works throughout seven days a week, but it's a lot more controlled. And the second I start to feel like I'm pushing a little too much or I'm, I'm getting to that edge where I'm like, oh, God, this is not good, I, like, pull the plug and I'll just take off for a few days or, like, just won't do anything, honestly. And and that's 
having the luxury to do that and, and mentally knowing that, especially because mental health is such a big topic these days. I think it's very still underlooked in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think people, especially in corporate, man, I think it's it's people are constantly like, you've got to work a bazillion hours a week. And if you don't get all this done, blah, blah, whatever, you have all this pressure. But I still feel like there's so many better ways to optimize your time. And I think if you, if you look at efficiency at, at face value, but really dive into that, that's really truly where I feel if you understand What's, what's Gary talk about? Auditing your time. If yeah. you audit your time and where you're spending it and what you're doing during that time and block out all your distractions, that's really where you get more productive and that's where the hustle and grind becomes very much real and actually uh, productive as opposed to just working 18 hours a day and not really having a rhyme or reason. That's where yeah. burnout comes from. Yeah. I think it's not having the rhyme to the reason and when you're just looking at people that, that you, uh, you're holding on a pedestal but you don't really understand their end game. And if you're like, if, for example, if you want to be a veterinarian or something, it's like, own that, own, own a, veter- a veterinarian business or something. It's like, do you have to work Gary V hours? I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, whatever your end game is, know that first and then work backwards and really focus on, you know, what the day to day lifestyle would look like. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's a really solid <clears throat> thought where, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to, grind 18 hours a day but when you are grinding are you actually grinding like what are you grinding for having and that's i've talked about it in like the last last uh few episodes have all been about mental health and one of them i talked about how like i still don't exactly know why i turned to uh being like an alcoholic and popping pills from a young age uh but one of them i think i just i just didn't have a focus i didn't have a goal uh, I didn't have anywhere that I was working towards or anything to work towards. Um, and that was, that was a major thing. And so I think that's, and, and Gary V just the other day posted something where he, he said, uh, I don't remember exactly, but paraphrasing it, it's everybody's got time. Uh, you just choose to spend it on something else. Uh, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, no, just that idea of like what you said, you, you grind, you earn your, your time off the yeah. last, uh, when was it like Memorial day or something like that? That was the first day off, uh, that I just took for fun to recharge. I think in like yeah. eight years or something like that, yeah. uh, wow. seven years, some, I, I don't know. It, it's, it was a really long time, whatever, uh, other than having kids, <laughs> uh, and taking time off to like do something that I had to do. That yeah. was the first day off in like forever that I'd taken just for me and like yeah. family. It was, it was what, like, it was incredible how good it felt. And it seems so dumb to say like, yeah, of course it feels good to take time off. But for me, it was like, like very eye opening. like, oh wow. Like I do need to take care of myself. Like this is what it feels yeah. like to like recharge. Mm-hmm. It was wild. When I was uh, working in entertainment, when you were talking about like not knowing the difference between a Monday and a Friday, I mean, I worked 14 days straight yeah. and same thing. Like I left the office and I didn't know what day it was because all my days were like completely, you know, running yeah. together. A Saturday was the same thing as, as a Monday and all my days were the same and it was just working towards getting the show up. And, you know, meeting an air date and getting booked and getting the right stories on the show. And I lived and breathed that job for mm-hmm. two yeah. years straight. Yeah. 
And then another thing I wanted to talk to you about, because actually in high school, I was really involved um, in the local music scene in Louisville. I worked uh-huh. at a local uh, record store. And okay. I was a I was a total groupie. I mean, I went to shows like every weekend, but I ended up taking an internship for Capitol Records in college. Oh, yeah. And I actually um, hosted like listening parties for upcoming artists. And you know, on college, like my dorm room was the place to be because I was actually featuring a lot of upcoming artists. So I went from being a groupie and working in a record store and knowing all the local bands to actually hanging out with people that were getting on labels and were starting to tour. And I would love to know, like, what was that jump like? Because, you know, I was handing out the schlock and I was hosting the parties, but I, I didn't really, I know there's a big difference. Um, so, so meaning going from like a, like a, a local touring, like a local act to a national touring band. Um, and getting approached by labels. Like what, yeah. what was that like? That was insane. Like I was working, I'll never forget that. I was working at a place, <laughs> I was actually working at a law office doing, oh God, what the hell was I doing? It was like, um, uh, skip tracing, which is basically <laughs> like, which is, if you guys can picture me like in a cubicle, like, but honestly, <laughs> I was the worst employee, actually, probably ever there. I was just a bad employee in general. But I remember sitting in my cubicle, and that's when, like, my phone would start going off. And I was like, who the hell's number from California? Who's this number from New York? And then all of a sudden, like, all these record labels and, and, the, and the owners and stuff were just, like, hounding me. Like, hey, man, like, we, we want to work with you guys. We love what you're doing. We're flying you out here. And so all of a sudden, we had all these people from, like, New York that wanted us to, to meet with them. And, and it was just, like, I remember Roadrunner Records, actually, uh, who's a New York label. They came out to see us at um, CBGB's. We were actually one of the last bands to play there before they transitioned out of there. That's awesome. And, uh, That's awesome. yeah, this guy, Mike Gitter, after the show, he was, like, super cool guy. And we had a terrible show. It was a really bad show for us. And he was just like, I was like, hey, man, what like, what'd you think of the show? He's like, eh. And he kind of just did this, like, cold shoulder to me. And I was like, damn it. I knew it. We're, gonna, we're never going to get signed. And then literally, like, he, they, people still thought we were in the running with them. And I think because Roadrunner was, like, on the table, I kept using that to our advantage because I was like, "Shit, I know we, I know we blew it with them, but it's okay." I'm gonna keep saying that. Oh, well, I think we're gonna sign with Roadrunner. Well, no, don't sign with Roadrunner. Sign with us. So I kept like throwing that in the pot, you know. And um, that was insane, honestly, Rena, because like I was, yeah, I was a 21 year old, 21, 21 and a half, and um, all of a sudden my dreams of like playing and touring the world were like a phone, like a, a, a dotted line signature away. So that was really, really weird. And then we ended up. Did you have a manager? Like, how did you navigate that? During that time, uh, I actually I was trying to book our own tour through MySpace, which I used to do all the time. Yes, (laughs) MySpace, dude. That was the best. That was so incredible, actually. Like, that's a whole other separate part I can even talk about. But I legitimately (laughs) started to realize the the labels when they before they weren't come before they were calling. I was like, let's just hop in the van. Let's just go. I'm going to book a full tour with myself. And I did from Boston to California and back. I, that was my first, you know, whatever, first tour. And um, when I reached out to this band, uh, I think they're called like Mantis or something. I forget the hell they were called. 
this this their uh, manager got back to me and he goes, dude, I'm actually a huge fan of you guys. I saw you play at um, uh, at CBGBs in New York, and, I was, and that was the show that that guy thought we, we sucked, right? And this is what I always tell people: like whether there's five people there or a thousand, it doesn't matter. Like there's if there's one person that hears you that likes you, that's gonna pay off. And so he happened to be at that show. So it ended up being uh, this guy named uh, Blasco that plays currently bass and was playing bass for Ozzy Osbourne. So he was like, "Dude, I'm, I have this management company, and I think uh, you guys are you guys have all the all the tools and, and sort of attributes to be a really big band, and I'd love to love to help you." And I was like, "Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go." Um, so he definitely helped like around that point because again i had no idea what the hell i was doing i'm like this label wants me to sign this now before we even have he's like no don't sign anything dude we need to get you a lawyer so like we got that whole thing worked out he was really instrumental for a lot of that stuff at that time because you know as much as i thought i knew i knew i had i had no idea but then going from that to being in the recording studio which we had been a bunch of times prior to that but actually being in there and knowing we had a time crunch we had a record gonna, that's going to be coming out in like five months. It was just like, we had this uh, magazine, Alternative Press, come out to meet with us while we were in the studio, so taking pictures of us while we were there. And I'm just like, dude, this is insane. Like, And then to know a month later, I was in my first magazine, and like, they had a feature on us, and I was just like, wow, this is, in, this is nuts. So I honestly, like, I, I think anyone that gets into the, in the entertainment world initially will tell you, you can't plan for it, you can't prepare for it, and you just kind of you have to just go into it thinking all right i don't know what the hell's gonna happen but this is we're gonna have a really good time doing it and so um it was it was a huge adjustment i think both physically mentally emotionally because you know it's very hard to keep a relationship being in a band that's for sure and so like then it becomes you know just uh, craziness every night different cities it's like it's like non-stop and then you finally get to this point where it's like it does you feel I would, it's like you feel like hollow and you kind of get to this point where you're like god well, am i just going through the motions every day am i am i enjoying this as much and it turns yeah. into a job i mean it does. i think i think with entertainment i mean that happened for me when i worked in television as well like yeah it's exciting you're backstage you're producing shows you're going to rap parties you know, you're getting to travel, all of these things, but it turns into a job and it yeah. turns into a grind. And what you were talking about too, I think that you've applied some of that to business. Totally. I also would be interested in hearing about how, you know, you had to manage people and relationships and feelings during CrossFit. I mean, you're, you're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with all different levels of ability and yep. and running a business at the same time. So not yep. only are you having to like worry about your overhead, but you're also having to manage people. Yeah, that was yeah. And again, like I had to wear you know 27 hats every day, and and then you like you said, you're dealing with people's emotions. And you know, we we had this afternoon like women's group that I used to have. They were amazing. The stay at home moms, like super like wealthy moms from an area called Wellesley, Massachusetts. They'd all come in, and it would be like awesome. But it'd be like therapy hour. So we we barely even work out. They'd be like, oh my god, my husband's an idiot, and I'd just sit there on the stability ball like. Yeah, tell me all your feelings, guys. Tell me everything that's going on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and so, like, but like, they would leave, and, and I would, I would have. You're to, like, like back squat. 
Yeah. I know. I know. I'm like, guys, grab the freaking barbell, would you? Jesus. Um, but like, no. And that was that was really interesting because I that's when I found the human the human condition really was interesting because in in terms of training, it is such a personal thing, and people are very like vulnerable too at that point. And I I realized whether you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 or you're a college student, all of you are the same on, on the gym floor, and no one's better than anybody. You know what I mean? Like, and that was really humbling for a lot of these guys that are really high profile, like you know, business professionals. Because they came in like trying to dictate me how I'm going to coach them. I'm like, you can go like kiss your kiss my ass. Like that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And so when we really dove into everything, like they they earn, I you almost earn respect from that too, right? Because these guys that are really high profile or or women too that are just like super pushy, they come to the gym. They're like, all right, you just tell me what to do. I'm going to listen to you. You're the only person I'm going to let push me around. And it was really it was always really fun. But yeah, that was that was. Um, a lot of emotions every day. I don't even know how I did it some days. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's wild. And I I love the connection between everything. Like touring with a band is exactly like the ex- entrepreneurial experience where like I literally have no idea what the hell I'm doing, yeah. but I'm gonna have a hell of a good time doing it. Like yeah. that, I think that's that is the attitude that you've got to take. And I think that's also that also comes down to like burnout too is like people that grind but they're making sure they're having a good time doing it oh, aren't the ones that burn out it's the ones no. that are forcing themselves and have a feeling of obligation to grind that's where burnout comes from dude that's so that's so on the money and and i can't even stress that enough like i that's my objective in life is just to have fun and business Hell life yeah. for everything right and because if, if you're not having fun grinding like listen grinding and working your ass off that's inevitable but if you're not enjoying the process then like why are you doing stop no one's holding a gun to your head like stop you know you're not like obligated to do these things um that's so accurate man that's so on the point yeah that's so punk rock one more scream i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's awesome (laughs) very good well ladies and gentlemen mike Cassavant. Yes. Nailed it. I nailed nailed it. it. (laughs) Uh, I've been practicing this whole time in my head. Uh, So if you want to, if you want to connect with Mike, he's on LinkedIn. He's a good dude. Uh, If there's, if people want to connect with you elsewhere, where do you want them to find you? Um, probably Instagram, Mike underscore, Casman underscore, um, and I, I can send it over to you too, but like, it's, yeah, man, it's funny, I was just talking to Q the other day, you know, about how, like, I feel like I've been, like, MIA the last couple months on social a little bit, like, content-wise and everything, so I'm, uh, I'm actually looking forward to <laughs> putting out a bunch more stuff in the next, like, month or so. Awesome. Well, this, awesome. this episode is going to be coming out, let's, let's push it, let's get you back on the scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited buddy. about it. Awesome, Me man. Too, man. Thanks great. so much. Thanks, guys.